Good morning and welcome to City Hope Church. Today, Pastor Damien Hobson will be bringing the Christmas morning message. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. What a cool day to be in church. It's a funny thing because um, in, in most, in most uh, religions of the world, um, the, the, the special times in the deity seasons are highly celebrated. And the way we oftentimes do it is um, we like, go on holidays, Christmas and Easter time and stuff. And it's super cool to be able to come together um, with our church family as well as our personal family. I have uh, my folks here. That's always an honour to have them uh, in, in the house when I'm preaching. So welcome mum and dad, nana and grandpa. <coughs> it always increases the stakes um, of my message because, uh, yeah, my dad was actually studying to be a priest at one stage, so in the Catholic Church, um, so he will ensure my doctrine is sound. <laughs> um, not while I'm delivering it, though, if that's all right. <laughs> that would be great. I got a, I got a message um, that, that, that I, that I want to bring this morning. I, I, love, I love digging deep into, um, in, into things that I think I already know. I love finding out things I don't know in the things that I think I know. Um, t- to me, that always brings a whole nother level of appreciation and revelation and makes me kind of go, oh, that's just cool. So I want to take you on a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a journey with me this morning, if I may. And hopefully you kind of have uh, a similar kind of thought around, hmm, that's a different way to look at it. I, I don't think my job here, I, I love... I love Pastor Peter and where he's going and what he's doing and his vision for this house and, and this city. Um, but I, I don't think it's my role to, to, to spoon feed you from here. What I think my role is, is to encourage you to go and check it out yourself. So I want to I present some things that make you kind of go, look, I disagree with that. Good. Go prove me wrong by reading your work. Or... Hey, I totally agree with that. Cool. As long as it's backed up in that, then come and tell me later because that'll like give me arguments against my dad when he tells me I'm wrong. Help me out a little bit. So that'll be, that'll be cool. He doesn't actually do that. He's never done that since, I don't know, last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hey, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you for, uh, for, for Christmas and the pinnacle place it has in society. Even in the commercial world, it's still recognised. Even in the heathen world, it's still recognised. The God that you would send your son, Jesus Christ, as our saviour. Now, whether people believe in you or don't believe, they still recognise the meaning and appreciate this particular season. So, Holy Spirit, I pray right now you have your way in this place. The seeds that you want sown, the things that remain, everything else just washes out and does not cause distraction. God, the only thing we want here is to draw people closer to you, that they may have an encounter with you, that they may question certain things and be drawn closer to you. So Holy Spirit, have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool, 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 cool. Well, let's, let's, just, let's just recap. If this is your first time in church, um, welcome. It's a great day to be here. Um, <laughs> the message is going to be a little bit different, but that's okay. I'm pretty sure we get to say that every week here at City Hope. None of our messages are, are generally the same or boring. There's always uh, plenty to take out of it, which is super fun. But let, let's go through the, the Christmas message as, as we know it. Cool? 
So a decree went out by Caesar Augustus to count the people on the earth. The first time to do it. Let's go register. Let's go find out what's going on. So everybody was told to go back to the place of their, their, their origin, where they came from. That's part one. So Mary and Joseph returned to Bethlehem, which is uh, King David's city, as of the house of King David, that lineage. So that's pretty cool. The no room could be found at the inn, so they were directed to a stable uh, where Jesus was laid in a manger and they had some shepherds come and some wise men come and, um, and, and gifts were presented. That's pretty right so far. Everyone's on board. So I haven't lost anybody so far. That's kind of the start of the message as, as we have it. So that's cool. Obviously Jesus was born. That's kind of a critical part. Should put that in there. So that, that's pretty cool. Last week, Pastor Sp- Pete spoke uh, on the wise men and, and the gifts and their prophetic nature and what they were for. Uh, I, found, I found this image this week. I, I, I thought it was funny. Can we get the mermaid, not the mermaid? I'm not sure that's biblical, but it's still funny. And I'm okay with that. But this pretty well sums up the Christmas story as we know it, yeah? And then we move on to, to, the, to, the, to the story of, of, of Jesus and his progress as a teenager and his ministry time and ultimately his death and heading to Easter and the resurrection. And, and that fairly well sums up most of the gospel uh, as, as we know it. But I, I, I want to backtrack and just highlight a few things that you may or may not be aware of. And I love having these discussions with people because they, 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 they highlight certain things to me. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to go check that out as well. So, so follow with me. If you've got pen and paper, take notes so you can go and check this out later. But I've called this one The Hurdles of Christmas. The Hurdles of Christmas is the title of my message today. So let's backtrack. Hurdle number one. We have Mary's position. Now, when we preach in children's church, we get to have a lot of fun, very expressive in the way that we get to present it. This story, again, is a little bit different. I just want to give you some facts. Mary was a teenager at the time that the angel appeared to her and said, hey, you're going to have a child. Now, when we, when we listen to the story or read the story or, or, or encounter the story, it's much like Noah's Ark as a child. We read it to our children as a, as, as, as a bedtime story. But when you go a little bit deeper, you kind of find that's probably not the greatest story to be telling children as they drift off to sleep. There's a whole bunch of, hey, the world's destroyed, drowning people, terrified, rah, rah. So, and it's kind of the same with, with this gospel story of, of Mary receiving, hey, little girl who's a virgin, who has your whole life ahead of you, it's about to get stuffed. Are we okay with that? And Mary's like, first there's the encounter. Let's just work that for a moment. Here's Mary doing her thing, doing her thing. Next thing you hear, uh, hey Mary, I'm a big angel. When you open the door, I'm like really, really tall and stuff and have wings and a flaming sword. So don't be afraid. I'm just giving you some pre-warning before you open the door. I'm here. When you open this door, don't be afraid. Okay, now open it. Oh, here I am. He doesn't say that. It's kind of like... <laughs> and suddenly this angel appears 
And Mary's like, right. Well, that's different. And the fact that the angel says, do not be afraid, kind of tells me, dude, you should have thought this through a little bit more. I don't don't know. A teenage girl, a random dude just rocks up in the house like, She's going to be afraid regardless whether you have a flaming sword and flapping wings or not. But So you've got this teenage girl, part one. Now, if you know anything about the history of this place in the Middle East, getting pregnant out of wedlock is not good for your health. In the Middle East, it's frowned upon now, let alone go back 2,000 years ago. So for this girl to get told, hey, you're going to have a kid outside of wedlock, her first thoughts are going to be, yeah, but that says I get to headbutt a lot of stones. That's not good for my complexion. It was punishable by death after a whole lot of mockery. You get a public trial that happens and, and you get exposed before like everybody in the village. Like it's, it's not a, hey, this would be sweet. I'm just going to tweet this. Hey, the angel chose me. Suckers, I'm the best on the planet. No, it doesn't work like that. This was, a, if you choose to go down this track, you're going to get ostracized, potentially put to death because this is not okay with society. Now, let's just pretend that she didn't think that far and we go a little bit further. The prophecies this girl would have known about has the Messiah coming and ultimately the Messiah dying. So part two would be, hey, Mary, teenage chick, we're going to give you like a baby and then we're like going to kill him. Are you okay with that? Now, I don't know, if you're Mary, you're kind of sitting there going, this is exactly what I spoke about with my guidance counsellor. This is exactly the track I wanted to go on. This is working out perfect. Pregnant out of wedlock, no support, possibly die, have a kid, love him, and then I'll murder him in front of me. Sounds cool, let's do this. It's getting a little bit weird. So Mary's position to even obey God in that, in, in that front, was, was her, her position alone is a hurdle. A very detrimental one to her if it doesn't go right. There's a big level of trust happening right now for her to say yes to this. Hurdle number two, Joseph's position. Joseph finds out it's legit. Now, I don't know about you, but if my wife comes home and tells me she's knocked up to someone else, but hey, it's okay because it's God's, I have a feeling my jiu-jitsu is going to go up a level. I'm going to be searching for this God. I'm going to have a chat. So for Joseph to come in and then suddenly it's like Mary's like, hey, don't blame me, dude. God did it. Now, we're used to hearing the devil made me do it. There's very few times you hear, yeah, God, God did that. And then he's got, <laughs> he's got to kind of go through this process and like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, okay. He actually sought to divorce her. Now, when you're betrothed or married, it was the same thing in the Middle East. It came with the same consequences. So he still had had documentation to be able to, to part way. So he sought to divorce her. Translation, he did not believe her. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the dude's crazy. I mean, why wouldn't you believe that? So he, he straight up turns around. He's like, yeah, cool story, Mary. I don't believe that. And I'm going to seek to change this arrangement. But then an angel rocks up and says, hey, dude, it's real. It's legit. It's all good. 
And again, he's like, seriously, why don't you guys knock? Why do you keep like rocking up and like saying, don't be afraid? Like knock, this, this, make this whole thing work and more, more, much more palatable. Joseph's position now is one of two things. He either has a public trial, which is what he's meant to do, or do it in secret to try and still get the divorce to go through, but ultimately it still needs to end in a trial. He cannot go through without it being public knowledge. Now the Bible says that he was both just and compassionate. He was just in the way that he did not want to, to take on, because it was, it, was, it was shameful at this time, he did not want to take on somebody else's child. That, that's not what it was about. So he wanted to part ways, but he didn't want to destroy Mary in the process. So he wanted to divorce her privately. When I say divorce, betrothed and married back then had the same consequences, although they were not yet married. The next part that happens is, is in this whole process, in the judgment process or the trial process, there's a lot of things that happen. And, and Joseph would be forced to, to feed the bitter water to his wife. And, and it was kind of a thing that if... If uh, she didn't get sick, then she was pure. But if she did get sick, well, she's, she's kind of pretty stuffed right there. It's kind of like bitter water slash poison. So th there's a whole bunch of things here that he had to choose as to which direction he was going to go. I am getting somewhere, okay? We're getting to the Christmas part soon, okay? Just, just stay with me. Part three, or the hurdle number three, was Joseph's family. Joseph's family. For Joseph to have continued down this track, it goes one of two ways. The laws in the day were kind of a little bit different. I'm not going to go into it too much because we do have our children's church repping here as well. But in the laws of um, sexual immorality from Deuteronomy onwards, there's different things that kind of happen, which were still the same laws that Mary and Joseph were under. Now, if you fell pregnant outside of wedlock, inside the city gates, then you're meant to get stoned. If it was outside the city gates, there were different rules. If she was betrothed, there's different rules. If she was not betrothed, there were different rules. If you were not betrothed and you ended up laying with a young maiden outside of the city walls, then you didn't get stoned, but what you did have to do was give 50 pieces of silver to the dad and then marry quite quickly. It was the honourable thing to do. Now, this, this, this Joseph and Mary, it's kind of like there's this thing going on. God intervenes. She gets knocked up. It's a hard story to tell your family. He has a dream. Daniel says, go ahead and marry. He's like, okay, let's do that. The situation now is it's a, quite a speedy wedding. Now, there's either two sides you can subscribe to this. One is in Matthew that says that he then wed her. One in Luke that says that he was still betrothed when they went down further on. But the laws are very similar. So that's more of a translation type situation to look into. But either way, for him to get married quickly makes it look like he had raped her outside the city walls. Because that was the process that would happen to get married quickly. So then he himself would have to walk around looking like he did the wrong thing. So for him to take this situation on and marry quickly, it still brings shame to his own life. Unless you're going to keep going with the story of, hey, it's all good because God knocked up my wife. Now in the day, that's still going to be a hard thing to swallow. Like that's just going to be a tough conversation. Like, okay, dude, you don't want to tell me? Fine. Okay, that's fine. You don't want to tell me the truth? That's cool. So then the good thing is 
that Joseph's kind of in this little place over here with Mary and that's all cool and, and, and that's fine. And he won't really have to pl- you know, place a, a, a lot of credence on everybody else's opinion as long as there's no like family reunion or anything in the short time coming. Hurdle number three, the decree is you all got to go back to the place of your origin. Translation, it's a big family reunion. Now, if he could just avoid that, then he wouldn't have to worry about the shame. But Caesar Augustus has said, hey, fellas, get your whole family in the same place. Everybody at the same place. And now Joseph's like, ah, I could have got away with this, but now I've got to go down and see the whole family. That's another hurdle. And then you've got to face the thing of, so, Joe, cousin, why wasn't I invited to the wedding? How far along are you? Well, who's the dad? <laughs> Hurdle number four. So, so far it's not easy. This whole Jesus coming to the world has not landed on a simple place. Hurdle number four. Stealth. He's in now this place where the whole family reunion's going on. And if he could maybe just hide out in a place, you know, like maybe a stable and that'd be really cool because then no one would ask too many questions and that's fine. So he, he could do that. Hurdle number four, if you go through the start of Matthew, Joseph is of the lineage of King David. The dude don't get to hide somewhere when you're in the lineage of King David and the whole rest of your family is also part of the same lineage. You are a somebody in that place. People are going to be looking for you. Now we get this story of that the Jesus and, and Joseph and Mary were hanging out in a stable. The, the Bible doesn't actually allude anywhere that it's a stable. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. I, I mean, our whole Christmas thing was based with a really cool stable here. Excellent job, men of action who made all that. That's super cool. But the Bible does not actually allude to Jesus being born in a stable. It does state that he was laid in a manger. But the manger, it goes into a whole other theological debate, but the houses of the day actually had kind of two rooms and a manger at the side where the animals would come in and, and they even speak about it in the feeding of the animals with the Sabbath and there's a whole bunch of stuff to look into that. But the, the manger was not in an outside paddock somewhere in a stable. The manger was generally inside the living quarters. So it changes things a little bit there as well. You can check that out yourself. But this whole stealth thing we're going for hurdle number four would have worked really well Except God decided to play spotlight with a star. So while he's trying to hide, suddenly it's just like, here they are, right here. See this big light? Here, come to here. This is where they're here, right here. Just like, come on. Could you make this any more difficult? Hurdle number five. This is where it gets really interesting can't go back to what it was before. Question for you. After Jesus died and then he rose again, what form did he take? So obviously in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So obviously Jesus was form A before humanity existed. Yeah? 
And then he came to earth as form B, as a human. So when he ascended back to heaven, what form did he go in? Did he go back to form A? Did he remain form B? Did he turn into a form C? Have you ever thought this far? Or we kind of just get to, he rose, cool, let's just leave it at that. Enter Holy Spirit, we're good. I avoided that tough debate. John 10, verse 17. Got to throw some scriptures in to, to back up. No point preaching Christmas morning without having some scriptures in. Hey, so if you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn to it. Otherwise, put it on the screen. But John 10, 17. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. That's Jesus talking, not me, just an FYI. If you're unfamiliar with this, I I wasn't saying that. If the whole salvation message was just about Jesus' blood being spilt or Jesus dying, and if that's all it was about, then why didn't God just allow it to happen when King Herod was happy to orchestrate it? For those of you who don't know that story, King Herod was looking and and sent a decree to kill all the kids aged two and under. At that time, an angel told Joseph to pick up his family and go to Egypt, that he may escape all this. So if it was simply about the blood of Jesus being spilt, why not just do it then? Same person, same blood. Well, the verse I just read kind of tells us that. Jesus chooses to lay it down. It's in his timing. No one gets to take it off him. It's in his timing. Hebrews 2, 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is, the devil. There's a whole range of things that Jesus goes through and alludes to in what he does, that he became one flesh... He could not become the sacrifice required for humanity while he was simply in God's state, while he was in form A, for lack of a better term. He had to be holy man and holy God at the same time, but he had to be flesh. Otherwise, the sacrifice was null and void. John 20, verse 27 says, Then he said to Thomas, Reach your fingers here and look at my hands. Reach inside here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. So when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose in a physical body that had physical scars. Yeah, we agree on that so far. To the point where people could actually touch it. Now, obviously, there's a miracle. I mean, I've hurt myself pretty bad, and after three days, I'm still pretty scabbed over. You touch me, I punch you. So obviously there's a miraculous healing that took place, but even with that healing, Jesus still had his scars. I don't know if you've thought about that before. It kind of gets fun when you start thinking about these things. And then there's a few more things that happen that, that kind of just, I just want to add, and you can kind of add it to your own ingredients, if you will. To, I, want you, I want you to follow this through and think it out yourself. 
But Mary at the garden, she's talking to him, doesn't recognise him. Now, just keep in mind as well that when Jesus was walking through the streets, he had his beard ripped off. This is the Easter story. He had his beard ripped off. He was, he was punched. He was bruised. The Bible actually says that his face was unrecognisable even as a man. That's how much he was scarred up just from the, just from the beatings. Now, if he's risen again in human form and apparently his scars have not healed because he's showing them off, then why would he keep these scars but suddenly everything else be perfect? Have you thought about that before? So when Jesus rose from the dead, he was healed, he was whole, but he still had his scars. So maybe in the garden it wasn't so much as a super spiritual I can't recognise you as much as a, you don't look like who you used to look like. Just food for thought. I just want to throw that out there. I got my own backing track. I like it. And then later on, on the, on the road to Emmaus, and, and the guys are walking and they're talking and, and they're going through. I mean, his closest friends didn't recognise him again. Now, keep in mind, in the day, there are a lot of people who had leprosy. There are a lot of people who had a lot of scars. There are a lot of people who, were, who, who had all sorts of illnesses, who had been beaten. There's a lot of people who walk around n- not, not looking the way that they, that they were born. So seeing somebody kind of covered with scars is not abnormal either. So maybe it wasn't as supernatural as sometimes we'd like to think. Maybe they just simply didn't recognise him. A, they expected a dead dude. And B, when he got up, he didn't look like he did before the whole beating went down. Just food for thought. Let's go to Revelations 5. This is kind of where the crux really comes in. We're going to read a bit here. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to lose his seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Not one that was all healed and perfect after. It looks like a lamb who had been slain. Having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent to all the the earth. Then he came and took the scrolls out of his right hand, him who sat on the throne. If we go down to verse 9, they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. Now that's in Revelation. That's the vision that John has going through. And obviously John knew Jesus as well. So I don't know if you've thought of this before, but I find it interesting. This is what I want you to, what I want you to, 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 to consider. I want you to go check it out for yourself. I don't want you to take my word at it. I want you to go check it out for yourself. We oftentimes give accolades to Father God for sending the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, to earth, yes? Have we considered the sacrifice that Jesus made to come? Now, when we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, we kind of talk about the week before his death. We talk about the 48 hours of him being beaten up and horrifically tortured and horrifically crucified. 
But if we're talking about a God with the whole pinnacle of eternity in his hand, what is 48 hours of pain in the scheme of all eternity if you really understand eternity, which I'm pretty sure Jesus did? Now, I'm not belittling any of that story or the Easter message. Like, it's, it's, it's horrific. And the fact that somebody would choose to do that from someone who you created is just weird. So I'm not belittling any of that. But honestly, if you're looking at the whole scheme of eternity, then 48 hours of pain is kind of really less than just ripping off a Band-Aid. Now, I don't want to belittle the sacrifice that Jesus made there, but I do want to pose a question. What if the sacrifice that Jesus made was not just 48 hours before the cross? What if the sacrifice that Jesus made was when he chose to step out of form A, step into form B, humanity, never being able to return to form A? I don't know if you've thought about that before. But if you're seeing a lamb that was slain, that looked like it had been slain, that tells me you didn't return to what you used to look like beforehand. So the sacrifice that Jesus made, I'll put it like this. I'll put it like this. Now, again, I'm not trying to make it trivial, but I'll put it like this. Let's just say that, that, that I was Jesus of the ants. So I'm a human, but I want to save all the ants. And I love the ants. And I become an ant. And I go down, I live among the ants for 33 years. And then they torture me and they kill me. But then on the third day I rise again as an ant. And then a couple of weeks later, I rise in glory as an ant. Back to the human world of which I still reign and rule over. But I'm still an ant. Never being able to return to my former form, I will forever now be in a form of an ant. I don't know if you can picture that. I don't know if you want to picture that. Me with an ant body is kind of weird. But if Jesus made the decision to come from form A to form B, and there's nothing in the Bible that I can see that actually demonstrates that he suddenly turned back into his former form, then the sacrifice for Jesus to come to earth was probably bigger than the sacrifice he made to be beaten and then crucified. So when it cost heaven their best, it's not just for that small little period of time in the space of eternity. But the glory of heaven, Jesus Christ himself, the king of all kings, chose to come into a form that is obviously substandard to what he was before. But see, at Christmas time, we sing the, we sing the carols of Emmanuel, which is God with us for a little short season. Oh, no, it's not. God with us. And his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. With us. Now, now if, if Jesus then goes back to heaven and he's no longer like us, maybe they need to change his name. Because maybe he's no longer with us or for us. He's now back to what he was before. So I just want you to think about this for a moment, or forever, whichever you go with. That the sacrifice that Jesus made at Christmas time, that we celebrate Christmas, to come to earth 
was not just for a 30-year period before starting ministry and then three years of tough ministry and then a week of total garbage and then 48 hours of horrific pain and then ultimately dying on the cross. Because in the scheme of eternity, that's a pretty short kind of season. But if the decision that Jesus himself made to come to earth stopped him from being able to go back to his former form, that's a pretty heavy price to pay, I think. And one that he does out of love. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Jesus chose to come. And then he chose to lay it down here on earth, which is what our Easter story is about. But the cool thing is he then also chose to take it up. And he takes it up so that we may have relationship and opportunity to have relationship with God the Father. And I think that's pretty cool. So as I said, I don't want you to be distracted from the message this morning. I want you to go and, uh, if you disagree, cool, go and check it out and prove me wrong. I love having these conversations with people. I love when people go and they kind of go, hey, what about this, what about this? Cool, let's have a coffee. You buy, let's chat. I'm down for that. But what I want you to, to be enriched with today, if you will, is that Jesus himself made the choice to come to pave a way for you. And ultimately, the story of Christmas is backed with the story of Easter. And the story around God's plan for humanity to have right standing and relationship with him. God loved you so much that he created these events wholly and solely because he just wants to hang out with you for a very long time. Right now, I'm just going to ask if you could just shut your eyes, just, just for the people around you, a little bit of privacy there for them. And just no distractions if we can. If this is new to you, that's cool. If it's not, then that's cool as well. But I'm a big believer that the God knew kind of what he was doing. And in doing that, he knew that you were going to be here this morning as well. And he knew this message was going to be delivered. So right now, on this Christmas morning, I'm just going to ask you, just, to, just in your head, just to, just, just to work with me here a little bit. If you don't know this Jesus we've been talking about, but you're kind of interested in getting to know him a bit better, then after we finish here, I just want you to come and find one of these guys up on the stage or myself. I know it's Christmas and so most people are going to be heading off pretty soon. But I want you to kind of find them and say, hey, I want to know more about this story of Jesus. And ultimately, you keep talking like he's a real person and I can have relationship with him. And I'm kind of interested in that as well. Let's chat. So if that's you, then I want you afterwards, just come and find one of us and have that chat and, and allow us just to introduce you to our friend Jesus. And you can have your own journey with him. You, you, you don't get to know him by just listening to me talk about him. That's not how this works. 
I'm not like a verbal love letter. I just talk stuff and then suddenly you get, become infatuated with someone you haven't met yet. That's not how this works. But right now everyone's got their head bowed. I just want to pray if that's okay. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Father God, I thank you that you set in motion the opportunity for us to have relationship with you. And through the way we were doing it, we were stuffing it up a fair bit. So you sent your son Jesus so that we could have that relationship with you. But Jesus, right now, I want to thank you. You've made it very clear that you had the authority to take it. You had the authority to pick your life back up. But I thank you for the decision that you made to sacrifice your position and how and what to be able to come down and show us how much you loved us. And Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for for tag teaming and comforting and, and helping us through this next part of our journey. But God, right now, I pray that for every ear that's here, that the seeds that are to be watered are the things that remain in people's heart. Lord, I pray for a boldness on people to come and ask more questions. If they want to know you, that they come and ask. If there's something that's imposing on their, their mind right now, and they're like, I want to know more, then I pray that they come and, and just come and speak to someone. I pray for wisdom of the person who they come to, just to guide them to you. That they may have relationship the way that you intended. Holy Spirit, right now over the season as we go meet with our families and all the bits and pieces and come with that, God, I pray for blessing. I pray for opportunity to discuss your love and your hope. And God, until we meet again, I pray for safe travels. To have your way in our life, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Tonight? It got dark, sorry. This morning. I've been awake for like the last several days, it feels like, so (laughs) my next two hours is going to be asleep, so it's night for me. But thanks for coming out this morning. Make sure you have a great season with your family. Make sure you put aside any of the the things that kind of make the, uh, the things uncomfortable. Make sure you encourage some people in and around your world. Check on your neighbours. Make sure they're having a great time as well. And uh, we're back here on Sunday morning for church. Have a blessed time. We're going to go out with a song. Fantastic. Much love. Have fun. Hope you enjoyed that message. See you next week.